Get ready for a one-of-a-kind experience. Welcome, welcome to the Starter Zone, your home for the weekly news from around the world. Your host for this journey, Amanda. New Year, same me. She's going to bring you everything you need to hear about entertainment, gaming, and maybe just a little bit bizarre. Hold tight, because here she comes. Well, thank you, Raven, for that warm welcome. Hello there, my friends, and good day to you all. Welcome to the Starter Zone. I am your guide, Amanda, and it is time to bring you the headlines from all of the entertainment news sources. Today is the 11th of January. Let's take a look at some of the headlines we're going to be covering. So the Smashing Pumpkins, they need a new member, but Paramore isn't going anywhere. Rage Against the Machine is. We've had some cuts in the NFL, a new NCAA football champion. There's a big divorce in the works, a ban at kick, a new record at Tetris, our box office breakdown, and more. Get comfy, my friends. Let's get started. All right, let's start things off with some music news. So here is a question for you. Do you think you have what it takes to hold your own alongside Billy Corgan? Well, now's your chance to prove it. The Smashing Pumpkins have announced an open call on social media for an additional guitarist to join the band. The group, which consists of frontman Billy Corgan, guitarist James Eha, and drummer Chim- Jimmy Chamberlain, is looking to add a fourth member to the collective after guitarist Jeff Schroeder announced his departure from the Pumpkins back in October. Uh, Schroeder initially had joined the Pumpkins as a touring member back in 2007 as part of their reunion tour to support the album Zeitgeist, and he continued to play on subsequent albums up until last year's Autumn, a rock opera in three acts, which was released in numerous installments throughout 2023. Of course, the band has had numerous lineup changes since it was founded back in 1988. Corgan and Eha established the Pumpkins with bassist Dar- Darcy Retsky and Chamberlain, and over the years, you know, they've cycled members in and out. But Corgan has remained the sole consistent member, barring the group's breakup in 2000 and their reunion in 2006. Now, any potential new guitarists are encouraged to send their resume and their materials to the Pumpkins Management Company. The new member, they may have a shot at starting on a pretty high note. This group is scheduled to hit the road in 2024 to support Green Day on their global The Saviors Tour. Now, Here's a little bit more 90s nostalgia for you guys, but this time we're talking Rage Against the Machine. (laughs) 
Okay, don't know about y'all, but I'm getting some serious rock band vibes right now. Kind of takes me back a bit. And Quit It Now? Yeah, Rage Against the Machine fans have been waiting for this band to reschedule the final dates of this reunion tour after they were canceled back in 2022. A little bit long time away, but Brad Wilk told music lovers that the rock band, which also includes lead vocalist Zach De La Rocha and bassist Tim Comerford, will not tour or perform ever again. Brad had written on the Instagram, while there has been some communication that this may be happening in the future, I want to let you know that Rage Against the Machine, Tim, Zach, Tom, and I will not be touring or playing live ever again. I'm sorry for those of you who have been waiting for this to happen. I really wish it was. And thank you to every person who has ever supported us, unquote. Well, that's a huge bummer, but it's not the entire story either, apparently. Their star guitar player, Tom Morello, has hinted at a secret feud hours after his bandmate said that they would never perform again. The guitarist is 59 years old, and he took to social media to share his own thoughts after the drummer, Brad, shattered fans' hearts with the news. Tom broke his silence and dropped a pretty big clue that points that there was a very big fallout among his bandmates. He posted on his own Instagram account, and the musician shared a video of his acceptance speech for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Rage Against the Machine was inducted into it last year. Tom began his speech by notably mentioning the band's differing points of view. Have a listen. My name, my name is Tom Morello, and I'm one quarter of Rage Against the Machine. I am deeply grateful for the musical chemistry I've had the good fortune to share with Brad Wilk, Tim Comerford, and Zach De La Rocha. Like most bands, we have differing perspectives on a lot of things, including about being inducted into the Rock Hall. My perspective is that tonight is a great opportunity to celebrate the music and the mission of the band, to celebrate with the fifth member of the band, and that is Rage Against the Machine's incredible fans. You're the reason we are here, and the best way to celebrate this music is for you to carry on that mission and that message. The lesson I've learned from Rage fans is that music can change the world. Daily, I hear from fans who have been affected by our music and in turn have affected the world in significant ways. Organizers, activists, public defenders, teachers, the presidents of Chile and Finland have all spent time in our mosh pit. Okay, so before I talk a little bit about what he said in the speech, there was one thing I did notice while watching the video. Tom was the only band member there. He was the only member that attended this ceremony. So he says that they had differentiating opinions, especially about this award. So according to what I'm getting from this inference there is that they just started disagreeing personally. They may still share their political views, but... They're just not getting along. Tom really does go out of his way to appreciate the fans. Uh, he, he makes sure to thank them. He talks about how great they are. And you don't, the, the fact that the other band members aren't there, very telling. I'm not sure why they would not want to attend. I mean, maybe they're, maybe it was just part of the whole, you know, we're protesting against the man that they've always kind of done that this is just the next step that we, you know, we don't need the accolades. But Tom apparently feels differently. And it has affected the band so much that it, this is not really, this is not what's going to, what broke them apart. There's got to be a lot more to it. But this seems to be 
one of the straws on the camel's back. Rage Against the Machine found their fame back in the 90s, and they were just known for these politically charged lyrics and the ferociously uh, huge energy live gigs that they did. They ended up scooping up two Grammy Awards, and their music was actually featured in the soundtrack for the hit movie The Matrix and the sequel Matrix Reloaded. But it's been a pretty rocky road over the years. They ended up splitting up back in 2000, and lead vocalist Zach said, quote, I feel that it is now necessary to leave Rage because our decision-making process has completely failed. It's no longer meeting the aspirations of all four of us collectively as a band, and from my perspective, has undermined our artistic, artistic and political ideal, unquote. Now, seven years later, they ended up reuniting to headline Co the Coachella Festival in, uh, back over in California before they went on tour in the U.S., Europe, and South America. But 2011 rolls around and Rage takes another break. This time it lasted 11 years. They did reform back in 2022 for its public service announcement tour. The reunion tour had been scheduled for 2020, but we all know what happened then, and everything gets delayed because of the pandemic. But towards the end of 2022 and the end of their dates, the band just canceled its final gigs. They initially blamed it all on Zach, who tore his left Achilles tendon, but they never rescheduled the shows, and it looks like they're never going to. And now there's apparently another band that's breaking up. This one, that's just a personal favorite of mine. Wait a minute. Wait, they're not breaking up? Okay, well then, where are they? Their entire online presence is gone. What is going on? Wait, okay, sorry. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Paramore. So this one's a little bit of a weird one, but it was made known that Paramore is a free agent. That, and not a band breakup, is the reason for most of their online presence just to be gone. Okay, but what do I mean about being a free agent? Let me explain. Paramore's contract with Atlantic Records has been a, a source of like some public confusion over the years. Since lead singer Haley Williams was being recruited as just a solo artist, and her signing with this label predates what some accounts of the band's history cite as the formation of the band. So they pursued the lead singer as a solo, but it was supposed to be for the band. The contract was indeed a solo deal with Williams, who was signed in 2003 to a much vaunted 360 deal in which artists share not just the revenue from their album sales, but concerts, merchandise, and other earnings with their label in exchange for what they say is greater comprehensive career support. Kind of sounds a little buzzwordy, but okay. However, the nature of the deal caused a lot of dissension within the band, and it was cited for the reason that brothers Zach and Josh Farrow left in 2010. Now, Zach came back in 2017. Him, Williams, and guitarist Taylor York, who had joined back in 2009, they're the current official band members. But now that deal's expired 20 years. Paramore, not signed a new contract, at least contract, but it's not with Atlantic if they did. So the longtime website for the band, Paramore.net, now leads to a 404 not found message, which really alarmed many fans of the group. But not due to the split. The site was taken down the day their 20-year deal with Atlanta Records was up. 
besides the website just going completely kaput, most of their social media accounts were wiped clean. The Twitter account, Twitter X account, Instagram pages, they had, I think it was like 5.3 million on Twitter X, 3.5 on Instagram. No posts at all. And their Threads account also seems to have been deleted. Only the group's Facebook page account had some archived posts. The only thing remaining on Paramore's Instagram account was a story. Apologizing for canceling a headline appearance, they were supposed to be at iHeart's Alter Ego concert in Southern California. But they said that due to unforeseen circumstances, Paramore could no longer attend and perform at Alter Ego on January, January 13th. The band apologized for the inconvenience, and apparently Fall Out Boy was announced as the replacement headliner for the show. So that cancellation just freaked people out, and they were wondering, is this truly a sign of a breakup? But the iHeart can- cancellation, actually not even completely related. It was a total case of scheduling conflict. So they've got a really big year coming up of touring they're joining taylor swift's eras tour over in europe and the group is going to be joining may 9th in paris and then stay with the tour for more than three months all the way through the european finale august the 20th in london prior to joining the eras tour four months from now paramore has a handful of festival dates lined up down in central and south america for march so This is fantastic news for Paramore fans. They're not going anywhere. They're going to be traveling a little bit. They're out from underneath this really weird Atlantic Records label deal. And hopefully we'll see some of their social media accounts come back online or at least some new ones. We're going to uh, check for those announcements coming up soon. But enough about breakups. Let's go ahead over and check out some sports. Well, sports fans, college football is officially over with the completion of the national championship game. And the Michigan Wolverines are your national champions. For the first time since 1997, Michigan won the NCAA national championship with a 34-13 win on Monday, January the 8th over the Washington Huskies. The dominant victory capped off an undefeated season for the Wolverines at 15-0, and it was their first unblemished season since it won its last NCAA championship two and a half decades ago. Running back Donovan Edwards helped Michigan cap off its perfect happy ending with two touchdowns. Starting running back Blake Corum also added two more touchdowns on the ground as the Wolverines pretty much just ran through Washington's defense for a total of 303 yards. Michigan's defense, which has pretty much dominated college football all season long, really helped seal this victory. They had two interceptions against the Washington quarterback. The Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh called the team's defense spectacular. The national championship victory, this was a long time coming for Harbaugh. Harbaugh is a former NFL coach who was brought into Ann Arbor, Michigan as the head coach in 2015 with the intention of ending the university's long national title drought. Now, Harbaugh himself is a Michigan alumni and a former player. 
And he also comes from a family of successful football coaches. His brother, John Harbaugh, who defeated Jim and his then San Francisco 49ers team to win the Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens back in 2013. His dad, Jack Harbaugh, won a Division II NCAA National Championship with Western Kentucky back in 2002. So this long-awaited National Championship, though, it was really kind of bittersweet for a lot of Wolverine fans. We talked about the story a couple weeks back, December specifically. Michigan found itself at the center of college football's biggest controversy this season. The NCAA launched an investigation into allegations that the team had been stealing other teams' play-calling signs. Harbaugh and his players, they've continuously denied wrongdoing, but he was suspended and barred from coaching the Wolverines for six games at the end of last season. Now, Harbaugh was able to return in time to coach the Rose Bowl game, which Michigan won 27-20 over Alabama in order to reach the championship game. Boy, did I almost never hear the end of that from my cousins. They were so mad. Anywho, over in the NFL news, the 2023 regular season has come to its conclusion, and while 14 teams will continue their quest to win the Super Bowl in Las Vegas on February the 11th, 18 others are looking forward to next year. Always another season, right? But for those unluckies, Black Monday was brutal. Okay. For certain clubs, there's a lot of changes coming. I mean, sure, each team undergoes personnel switches in the offseason, but we're not talking about the players right now. We're talking about the coaches. Week 18 could very well have been the last game for a number of football bosses on the sidelines. I mean, we've had rumors swirling for weeks, and there are quite a few coaches who are believed to be on the hot seat, including one of the most winningest coaches of all time. We'll come back to him. Black Monday has historically been the time that NFL coaches are fired in great quantities the day after the season ends. And it's hardly unprecedented, though, for them to be terminated after a disappointing postseason performance. Just after midnight Eastern time on the January the 8th, the Atlanta Falcons fired their coach, Arthur Smith. He was dismissed just Hours. I mean, we're talking like pink slip under the door of the locker room type thing. They had a blowout loss to the New England Saints, and it just really capped his three-year run with the franchise. But that was just the start. So early on the 8th, Washington Commanders moved on from their coach, Ron Rivera. So who else is going to be joining Smith and Rivera in looking for a new job? Well, three other head coaches had previously been fired this season. The Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, lost Josh McDaniels. The Carolina Panthers, Frank Reich, and Los Angeles Chargers, Brandon Staley. Additionally, two general managers, the Raiders, Dave Ziegler, and the Chargers, Tom Telesco, were also let go. But there's one name being bandied about regarding whether he's going to be coaching again next season. And this one surprised me. Until you looked up the team's record, then, okay, maybe it's not. Bill Belichick, the hoodie himself. He's not ready to make any de declarations about his future in New England following a 4-13 and season. That shocked me. They used to be such a powerhouse, but no, things change, years change, and um, Brady's not there anymore. The 71-year-old coach told reporters following the Patriots' 17-3 and season-ending loss to the New York Jets that evaluations about all futures in Foxborough are ongoing. Let's have a little bit of a listen. You know, it's a disappointing year for all of us. 
um, players, coaches, staff, entire organization, um, and not not anything that any of us are in any way content with. So, um, but it is what it is. So, um, I'll address some questions on the game. Um, as far as the future goes, I'll sit down with Robert as I do every year at some point at the end of the season, and you know we'll talk about things as we always do. I'm sure that'll happen. Um, but that's really about all I have to say about that right now because there's nothing else to talk about. It's our understanding that you're under contract for next year. Is it, is it your hope to come back? And I just finished the game with the Jets, Phil. It was a very, you know, put everything I had into it this week and try to prepare our team the best I could to play in it. Okay, look, I know he was just coming off of a very disappointing loss to the Jets of all people, but man, he sounds so tired. Belichick was equally evasive about whether he'd consider even just relinquishing personnel decisions, but continuing to be the coach of the Patriots. However, his response really could be read as a message to ownership or another team about his willingness to take a step back into that realm. He said, I'm for whatever collectively we decide is the best thing to help this football team. Whatever that process is, I'm only part of it. I'm here to work as long as I can to help our team every day, unquote. Closing out his 24th season with the Patriots, Belichick also declined to say whether he'd be interested in coaching for another club. He said, I'm not going to get into hypothetical situations. But those hypotheticals could become reality as we move forward with the possibility of the end of an era coming to Foxborough. Now, the next few weeks will also shine some light on other major coaching or back office changes, and we'll report on those as they're announced, so stay tuned for that. But for now, let's go check out what's happening over in the entertainment section. So apparently Odyssey, the troubled radio and audio streaming company, said on January 7th that they had filed plans for a Chapter 11 bankruptcy or reorganization to start slashing some debt. Now, Odyssey is the second largest radio broadcaster in the U.S. after iHeartMedia, with 235 owned radio stations across 48 markets. Through the restructuring, Odyssey expects to eliminate about $1.6 billion of funded debt, which is an 80% reduction from approximately $1.9. The Philadelphia-based company said it filed prepackaged proceedings for Chapter 11 in the U.S. Bankruptcy Court in the Southern District of Texas, after reaching an agreement with the supermajority of its debt holders. Now, Odyssey's debt holders will receive equity in reorganized company. They expect the court to hold a hearing to consider the approval of the bankruptcy plan in February, and that the company will emerge from bankruptcy once its regulatory approval is obtained from the FCC. Now, Odyssey did say it expects to continue operating its business in the ordinary course without disruption to advertisers, vendors, partners, or even the employees. And they expect to operate normally during this restructuring process under its current leadership team. Founded back in 1968 as Entercom Communications, the company changed its name to Odyssey back in 2021. But in 2017, Entercom acquired CBS Radio, which owned, it was like 117 stations nationwide. And it gave Radio.com a digital audio platform. But in 2019, the company pod, bought the podcast companies, I think it was Cadence 13 and Pineapple Street Studios. 
their stock odyssey was delisted from the new york stock exchange in november of 2023 and the company's shares will continue to trade over the counter under the symbol of AUDA through this reorganization process but the shares are expected to be canceled and receive no distribution as part of the restructuring now there is another restructuring on the horizon but this time it's a little bit more personal apparently the former star of the cosby show lisa bonet is finally ready to end her relationship with husband Jason Momoa because she just filed for divorce. According to court documents that were obtained by TMZ, Lisa's asking a judge for the dissolution of marriage. Nearly two years after they announced they, they were splitting up and heading down the road of divorce. In her paperwork, the 56-year-old Lisa lists their date of separation as October 7th of 2020, which means they've been split up for a little while. Now remember, they got married back in 2017, so do some math. It sounds like they had maybe about three years of we assume happy married life now when it comes to their two minor children lola and nicoa wolf lisa says she wants joint physical and legal custody on the money front lisa's not asking for spousal support and indicates that the 44 year old jason won't be asking for anything either which implies that they have a prenup in place as their separate property and assets are agreed between the parties so this marks Lisa's second marriage. She was famously married to Lenny Kravitz and had a daughter with him, actress, actress Zoe Kravitz, most recently of Batman fame. For Jason, this is his first and only marriage. And while they just tied the knot about eight years ago, they've been dating for a long time before that, being linked as early as 2005. As they first indicated in their statement, when they announced their split, they are freeing each other to be who we are learning to become. So reading into this a little bit, it sounds like they're, they're still friendly, but the problem came down to this. Jason has become a very big star. Okay, all right, so Aquaman 2 is not doing so great, but his, na his name is really carrying a lot of weight, and he's got a lot more projects lined up. People loved him in Fast and Furious, so he's going to be traveling a lot right now. And Lisa just doesn't want to do that anymore she wants to settle in LA so it kind of sounds like they tried but they had irre irreconcilable differences and of course you know the ladies on the internet just collectively went crazy because you know Jason's single now kind of a morbid thought but I do wonder if this is going to help Aquaman sales in the next coming weeks hmm. I have to go check some numbers anywho speaking of sales and movies though January 7th, we got to see the Golden Globe Awards, which some say is a precursor to the Oscars. That's going to air on March the 10th. All right, so a lot of awards here, but what's the difference between the Globes and the Oscars? Well, the Golden Globe Awards are accolades bestowed for excellence in both American and international film and television. Keyword, television. Tuning into the Glo Golden Globes this year meant more than just catching a glimpse of stars or you know, getting an idea of what the Oscars might have in store. There's some drama with the Golden Globes history. There was an ethics, finance, and diversity scandal within the Hollywood Foreign Press Association that led to the cancellation of the 2022 broadcast. The Golden Globes were sold last year in 23, and the Hollywood Foreign Press was dissolved. So 
the looming question seemed to be what impact would the show have this year under the new ownership. And in the end, some things went exactly as expected and others not so much. The show Succession, which was up for the most awards on the television side, tied a record with Mad Men and the X-Files for the most wins of the best drama category. The series won for its second and third season in 2020 and 2022, and three of the show's actors, Kieran Culkin, Sarah Snook, and Matthew McFadden, took home some awards. The Bear and Only Murders in the Building were nominated each for five awards. The Bear received three, but Only Murders, they were left kind of empty-handed. That was a bummer. Over on the movie side, Oppenheimer received eight nominations and ended up with five awards, including the top prize in drama. Additionally, Killian Murphy won Best Actor in a Drama, while Christopher Nolan won Best Director. Barbie, which had the most movie nominations, only ended up with two awards, but it did beat out Taylor Swift The Eras Tour in the new Cinematic and Box Office Achievement category. Some other notable winners were Best Motion Picture Animated, The Boy and the Heron, Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture Drama, Lily Gladstone with Killers of the Flower Moon, Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role in Any Motion Picture went to Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer, then Best Performance in a Stand-Up Comedy on Television, Ricky Gervais for Armageddon. And with that, let's go ahead and download the gaming news. January 25th is going to be a sad day for Ubisoft fans. So according to sources, 10 titles are having their servers shut down on that day. Look, it's always sad whenever a video game company confirms a server shutdown for its game. EA actually keeps a running list of their upcoming shutdowns, and Ubisoft has given fans a little bit of advance notice about games that they're shutting down in the near future. The unfortunate reality of online gaming is that the servers for these games are eventually going to shut down. They can't run forever. And sometimes it's not that big of a deal. And other times it makes entire game modes completely inaccessible and effectively, you know, lost forever. And this is really devastating for those that care about video game preservation. But as of right now, there's nothing we can really do about it. Hardware evolves. New games are coming out. And there's just only so many gamers to play so many online multiplayer games at any given time. Now with that in mind, Ubisoft fans may want to prioritize checking out the online functionality of these 10 games that are being shut down. Specific platforms are varying, but here's the list. Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, Assassin's Creed Liberation HD, Assassin's Creed Revelations, a lot of Assassin's Creed, Ghost Recon Future Soldier, Heroes of Might and Magic 6, NCIS, Ruse, Splinter Cell, Conviction, and Trials Evolution are all having their services shut down. Something else that Ubisoft fans probably want to keep in mind for this is that this will always also mean the end of linking their Ubisoft accounts to these games and claiming Ubisoft Connect rewards. So anyone interested in these Connect rewards or any of the online features tied to these games, you might want to get on there and play them between now and January the 25th. Okay, now we're going to flip over and we're going to talk about Activision and Nadia Amin. Now, Amin started her Twitch career in late of 2021, and she began streaming largely Call of Duty-based gaming content on her channel. 
And the endeavor really took off come summer of 2022 when her broadcast started averaging thousands of viewers instead of mere hundreds. But as of early 2024, the Florida born and based internet personality, she's got about oh, 1.2 million followers on Twitch and is considered to be one of the platform's rising stars, but her career has not been entirely free of controversy. But Twitch has only banned her once so far. Now be that as it may, it would appear that Nadia has now suffered another notable setback in the form of a blanket ban on participating in Call of Duty tournaments. This is according to the streamer herself, who has recently taken to Twitter to claim Activision has blacklisted her from all of its official esports events related to Call of Duty because she posts bikini pictures online. And this is according to her follower, according to her post sent out to her followers, but this was done when she, she posted this January 3rd. Elaborating on the turn of events, the streamer indirectly accused Activision of having double standards for men and women by claiming that the men can get away with posting their bare behinds on social media, but apparently bikini pictures are a step too far. And while some of Nadia's followers reacted in agreement, there were a number of Twitter X users that kind of doubted her claims. And some of them said that it wasn't a blanket ban because of bikini pics. It was because it's possibly related to past allegations that, oh, you know, Nadia cheats at Call of Duty Warzone events. Looking at the slightly bigger picture, though, Activision does have a history of blacklisting Call of Duty players from the professional circuit for just a variety of reasons. I mean, they're allowed to do that. But the publisher's past bans are dished out based on social media activity, and they've been primarily geared towards sanctioning hateful and otherwise toxic behavior. Removing anyone from the pro circuit over swimwear photos, this would be a really large, unprecedented move for the company. So there's a little bit of doubt to the accuracy of her claims. She's been called out for cheating before, so a lot of people are really kind of pointing to that instead. This isn't the first time that she's claimed she was preventing from participating in Call of Duty because of the bikini pictures. She said the same, almost the same thing, really, back in September, say she wasn't invited to Call of Duty Next 2023, which took place in October. Now, she subsequently deleted that tweet because Activision is not in the habit of publicly explaining its past roster decisions, the company is not likely to officially chime in on her latest claims. So basically, the world may never know. All right, let's keep going with talking about bands, and let me introduce to you Jack Doherty. For the uninitiated, Jack Doherty, he's a streamer and content creator who's particularly, he has this particular brand, I'm not a fan of this brand. In fact, I think it really needs to be stopped, but my personal opinion. He focuses on harassing and provoking strangers, but he has a bodyguard present. Yeah, just in case they try to attack him for being a... Anyway, more recently, one of his security actually landed themselves in hot water when they attacked a friend of Karina Kopf at a David Dobrik Halloween party. But his provocative content creation style frequently sees him tangled up with the police, and he's been the target of multiple swatting incidents, with incidents like 
crashing golf carts and picking fights with pedestrians caught on camera. This is really just not surprising. But now the provocateur has been quietly banned from kick after a guest repeatedly flashed on his stream. Despite many people celebrating this as a win for kick Doherty, he didn't seem very concerned at all. And initially, there was no communication from Kick stating that this was the reason for the ban, although it was pretty heavily speculated by sources that were reporting on the initial incident. This was later confirmed in a tweet from a fellow Kick streamer and the flasher in question, Xena the Witch. In the tweet posted, Xena revealed that the ban for Doherty and herself was only for 24 hours. She said, no more flashy flash, gotta respect the platform, before directing followers to her OnlyFans instead. Now, Heel Mike was a collaborator on this particular stream in question. He was off the ban for 24 hours, and in his own response, he confirmed that the ban for Jack Doherty, Xena, and himself would lift shortly. And Jack has promised to go live when the ban lifts, and he will likely discuss the issue. All right, now I'm going to bring Xbox into the ban mix, because we just can't have enough of this. Last week, Baldur's Gate 3 players oh geez, on Xbox found their accounts banned when the clips that they were saving from Baldur's Gate 3 were automatically uploaded publicly. For a small explanation, the, the RPG Baldur's Gate 3, they have some pretty spicy scenes. They can, some of their romantic scenes get a little revealing and so people are of course are snapshotting these scenes but they're automatically being uploaded and they're made public as per the xbox series x s default setting so xbox has this default setting where if you take a snapshot if you do a screenshot of a game it's going to automatically load it and it's going to make it public and it seems that the developer larian studios has had a chat with microsoft to get these bands lifted but they're advising that players Kinda need to be a little more careful in the future of what they snapshot. Uh-oh. Makes me wonder how many of those snapshots featured a certain bear character. Alarian posted on social media channels that the players affected by flagged clips should now see their bans begin to lift and work to fix all the bans is ongoing, but Microsoft's aware of the issue and they're looking to fix it. But in the meantime, Larian's advising their players to use the game's mature content toggle in the game setting to keep nudity out of the clips that they plan to unload. This is typically used for streamers to keep the game stream friendly, but with Xbox banning people for automatic uploads of these explicit scenes, it may be worth keeping in mind if you're planning on creating clips of Baldur's Gate 3. Getting these bans lifted, really good thing, but I would hope that this would be a lesson to Microsoft to not have automatic uploads as a default setting. Xbox has pretty cut and dry guidelines regarding, you know, what kind of clips can promote a ban and pr prompt it. But when the default setting is to post captured footage where people can see it, Microsoft is just setting the players up to fail on this. And Baldur's Gate 3 is pretty primed to screw people over on this. Not only are the sex scenes pretty explicit, but it's possible to have characters in the nude at any point by removing their clothes in the equipment menu. So while Larian may have gotten Microsoft to fix things this time around, this is still a problem that's just baked into the system. So watch the clips, people. Watch the clips.
Not figuratively. You watch what you post. Just, you never mind. Okay, I'm going to tell you a little story about a Minecraft challenge mode. It's called Minecraft Skyblock. This is a mod that will put you on a tiny island floating in a vast, endless void. And you're only armed with just a couple of items necessary to start farming a few essential types of blocks. Now, Skyblock requires you to have some pretty intense knowledge of Minecraft's most intricate systems. With no ground to walk on, there's no earth to mine, you have to build these pretty intricate systems of item farms. Carefully construct areas for essential mobs in order to spawn those, and just basically subsist mostly with a network of villager trading. It's intense, it's absurd, and pretty hyper-difficult. So enter a streamer by the name of Small Ants, and he decided to take up the Skyblock Challenge and take it to the next level by attempting to get every achievement in the game, or in more proper Minecraft speak, every advancement. And a few of these advancements are literally impossible to get in Skyblock. Most are gettable, so Small Ant decided to go ahead and start collecting. And this effort took place in just under 200 hours of in-game time which Small Ant took and condensed pretty helpfully, thank, thank you, into a 35-minute video, and he posted this last week. So it makes for some pretty delightful viewing if you want to sit there for 35 minutes. There's some pretty cool, fun stories about accidentally destroying the powdered snow that he had farmed 20 hours for, or how he managed to spawn some turtles by locating the beach biome in an unmodded version of his world seed, and then placing some sand and water at those coordinates in the skyblock world. But he had one final challenge in mind. He wanted to collect a friend. And in this case, that meant the blue axolotl, which is an uber rare variant of the axolotl mob. It has a 1 in 1200 chance of spawning when these creatures breed. Naturally, this means building another farm, and this one was a doozy. So the problem with the axolotl farms is that they require clay. In Skyblock, you can only get this from mason villagers while under the effect of the hero of the village buff, which you can only get by completing a raid. So using the combined resources of everything built over the course of the challenge, Small Ant built the raid farm, did some raids, stood at the center of a summoning circle of the long-nosed masons that threw clay all over my body, he says. And then finally... After building the axolotl farm, making several hundred buckets and waiting for that 1 in 1200 spawn, the blue axolotl arrived and the challenge was complete. Hooray! Now for reference, Small Ant completed this challenge in mid-2022. One week later, Minecraft launched version 1.19 which lets you get clay by simply putting some mud above a bit of dripstone. So as Small Ant puts it at the end of his video, oh my god, this whole playthrough was for nothing. That is absolutely heartbreaking. He spends 200 hours to do this challenge and then they release an update that completely negates most of the work that he did. So all he had to do was farm this clay from this dripstone instead of everything. Poor dude. I'm so sorry. That would be heartbreaking. Poor guy. But you know what? Mad props for doing the challenge anyway. 
and posting the video. Good times, man. Good times. All right. Now, speaking of challenges, this one has made its way all over the news for various reasons. So we're going to talk about a 13-year-old gamer who is believed to be the first human to ever beat Tetris on the original Nintendo Entertainment System. Willis Gibson, who goes by the handle of Blue Scuddy Online, achieved a feat that had only ever been accomplished previously by artificial intelligence when he reached the 34-year-old game's kill screen. This is the point where a game crashes because the software just can't advance any further. He posted the video on YouTube showing the moment that he reached the point at which the game freezes. Listen to this. Well, it took nearly 35 years, but a 13-year-old Oklahoma boy has become the first human to beat the original Tetris game. Check this out. His name's Willis Gibson. He was live streaming his record-setting 38-minute game. He reached an unheard-of level 157 when the game could no longer keep up with him and crashed. Oh, 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 oh my God! Oh. The reaction is the best part. So the crash or true kill screen has only been achieved in the past and only been achieved with the use of artificial intelligence. Humans win. That was yes. good. Yes. I that. Yes. yes. Thank wow. you, Thanks to the Today Show for that clip. Gibson is among the competitive Tetris players who use a technique called rolling. It involves rolling the fingers of one hand on the back of the NES controller and pushes it into their other hand, allowing them to press the directional pad more than 20 times a second. He's like smashing this thing into his hand. Vince Clemente, who is the president of the Classic Tetris World Championship, said that if Gibson's feat is independently confirmed, he will be officially the first human to ever beat the NES version. This is a very fantastic feat, but that's not what made the story go viral. Gibson's accomplishment, breaking several Tetris records, left the gaming world in just awe. However, not everyone was quick to celebrate the young gamer's success. Sky News was reporting on this story, and their anchor, a lady by the name of Jane Secker, raised some eyebrows with her on-air suggestion to the teenage prodigy. Listen to this. Now, Tetris has long been touted as a video game that just can't be beaten because it just goes on and on. Oh, oh, oh my God! Oh. Well, 13-year-old American Willis Gibson has technically yes. proven that wrong. He beat the original Nintendo version of the game by reaching such a high level that the coding froze that left the program unable to generate any more falling blocks. As a mother, I would just say step away from the screen, go outside, get some fresh air. Beating Tetris is not a life goal. Okay, y'all, he's 13. He doesn't have a whole lot of life goals right now, and I imagine he does go outside, okay? Now, several social media users labeled her remarks as old-fashioned and smug, and pointed out a perceived double standard in the media's treatment of gaming achievements compared to traditional sports. So there's this editor by the name of Chris Scullion, and he highlighted the irony. Sky News had just run a story praising a 16-year-old darts player on the same day that they dismissed the historic Tetris triumph. The worst part. In my opinion, this is the worst part. Willis had defeated 
de- dedicated this Tetris defeat to his dad. His father passed away last month, and he was so supportive of his son's love of gaming. Yeah, you heard me right. He lost his dad December the 14th of 2023, and he was using Tetris to help process his grief, and now he's getting crap from this news anchor. But would you guys like a sweeter ending to the story? Maya Rogers, who is the CEO of Tetris, congratulated Willis on the extraordinary accomplishment, a feat that defies all preconceived limits of this legendary game. Willis went on to explain that the original Tetris programmers never thought someone would be able to actually beat the game, so when you make it that far, the game just can't handle it, and it crashes. So Willis goes on, and he does a an interview with NBC News. He's doing this Zoom interview. And all of a sudden, the two men behind the Tetris company, Alexei Pajitnov, who is the creator of the game we know today, and Hank Rogers, the company's founder and chairman, popped up and made a surprise appearance in the, ses- in the session to congratulate Willis. Now, beating the game isn't going to stop him from playing. He's a student at Stillwell Junior High in Oklahoma, and he's locked into a world of Tetris competitions and tournaments. Recently, he won third place at the World Championship in Portland, Oregon back in October and said he holds the world record for Tetris on the Game Boy as well. All right, guys, let's go take a look at the box office from this past weekend. It's time for the box office breakdown. So last weekend was full of a little nonsense, which now and then is relished by the wisest of men. But could Wonka hang on to number one? Close your eyes and count to ten. Make a wish now. Open them. Warner Brothers Wonka won its third out of four weekends with 14.4 million. Overall, that's a four-weekend number one streak for Warner Brothers, but it did fall 37% from last week, but it has a $164 million running total, which is going against a budget of 125. So let's do some math. In order to be considered a true success, it was estimated Wonka needs to take in $250 million at the box office. Oh, wait a second. Added some international numbers. It's already made about $150 million in profit. So Fantastic news for Wonka fans. We might see some more coming out of that studio. Blumhouse's Night Swim opened to a disappointing $12 million in North America, taking in second place. But it should re- reach profitability. They only had like a $15 million budget, so they actually make, make some money on this one. Third place, James Wan's Aquaman 2. It opened to a meager $38.1 million in the four-day Christmas weekend, but it managed to cross the $100 million mark domestically, so it surpassed Blue Beetle, Shazam 2, and the Marvels. Much like its predecessor, though, Aquaman 2, it's faring a lot better overseas. $234 million from the international markets, which brings the worldwide haul about three hundred thirty-five. million. But this film is going to end its run somewhere between four hundred and four hundred and fifty million. I mean, sounds like good numbers, right? It's not nearly as bad as the initial projections, but Aquaman 2 would need roughly $500 million just to break even. Ouch. In fourth place this weekend, Illuminations Migration. 
It's also had a pretty seller hold falling. I think it was like 39% uh, from the previous week. At $150 million worldwide, Universal's latest animation film is set to make a pretty decent profit considering its $70 million budget. Fifth place this week, Sony's romantic comedy, Anyone But You. It added $9.5 million, and that's up 8.5% from last weekend. Some interesting things about the current current box office offering. So I know I haven't been kind to Disney lately. I'm pretty saddened about the recent films. So I went and I checked in on Wish. Haven't talked about this one for a little while. This is their latest release. Been on the box office list for seven weeks. It's made a grand total of $62.6 million. Has not even broken $100 million yet. Y'all, the budget for Wish was $200 million. Let that sink in. So after Lightyear, Strange World, and Elemental bombing at the box office with their budgets over $180 million each, Disney's really going to have to start reconsidering where they're putting their money and what kind of product they're putting out. In contrast, you may say like, oh, they haven't hit $100 million. In contrast, Trolls Band Together, the third movie in the Trolls franchise, it's a very fun movie, especially if you are a fan of boy bands. That movie's been in the box office for eight weeks and has over $100 million domestically. Okay, so what's coming up? We have a new Jason Statham film called The Beekeeper. He plays a former operative of a powerful and clandestine organization known as Beekeepers. Not what I thought this movie would be about. I'm just, you know, kind of imagining Jason Statham in a beekeeper outfit. And it was kind of cute. Mean Girls 2024. 20 years after the original Mean Girls. This movie is based on the Broadway musical of the same name, which was based off of the 2004 comedy film, both written by Tina Fey. So it's a remake of a remake. Okay, we'll see how that goes. Very popular movie back in the early 2000s. I remember that one. Um, So a lot of hype about this version. Um, I don't even know if you would call it a remake. It's just it's a movie based on the musical. So lots of people looking forward to that one. Now, back in 2020, so we're talking the height of the COVID pandemic, Disney released a little movie called Soul, and they released it direct to Disney+. Soul was a true, and is a truly fantastic film. It's one that you don't really know what to expect, but it's going to hit your heartstrings. Four years later, they're releasing it to the big screen. So expect that one coming up this weekend for Soul, Beekeeper, Mean Girls. And actually, there's actually quite a few new releases coming this week. So uh, it's going to be a pretty busy weekend at the movies. And I'm excited, pretty excited to see who's going to end up in the top five this coming week. All right, guys, let's go to the Odd News Corner. And now for something different. All right, got a couple of stories for you here, but we're going to start with this one. A pair of strays have landed in the doghouse after being caught on video causing more than a quarter million dollars worth of damage at a car dealership in Houston, Texas. Who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? One dog was described as a bull terrier mix and was captured back in early December, but the second, whose breed was not immediately known, was caught right around December the 31st. Both dogs are being held by the Houston Animal Control Shelter, known as Bark. 
The dogs were captured on video surveillance, scratching the paint and tearing the bumpers off of vehicles in the lot of G Motors, according, according to the dealership's uh, finance manager. They caused an estimated of $350,000 in damage. The sales manager, as well as the finance manager, contacted Bark when the attacks began back in November, and they believed the dogs were entering the lot by crawling under like a fence and chasing stray cats that were hiding under the vehicles. The first dog to be captured, they named him Dasher, has been deemed healthy, shows no signs of aggression, and is considered adoptable. The other dog, still being evaluated. Now, let's do some coffee talk. Okay, sort of. Dunkin', which is formerly known as Dunkin' Donuts, it's a prominent American coffee chain. Also sells donuts, okay. And they've gone viral for its recent collaborations with like high-profile celebrities and influencers like rapper Ice Spice or the TikTok star Charlie D'Amelio. Now, one Dunkin' location in Central Florida, though, is seeing an explosive surge in attention after a male customer experienced an unfortunate incident in the bathroom. Paul Kerouac is seeking $100,000 in damages after he claims a Dunkin' toilet in Winter Park, Florida, exploded on him a year ago, causing severe and long-term injuries. According to reports from ABC News, the explosion covered Kerouac in all manner of human feces, urine, and debris. Kerouac says he sought help from store staff after the alleged explosion, where one employee claimed they were aware of issues with the toilet prior to the ordeal. Every spring, the toilets explode. Kerouac is now looking to sue the location for negligence in a lawsuit that was filed Wednesday, January 3rd, a year after the situation initially took place. While the lawsuit that was obtained by ABC News didn't contain many details about the explosion itself, it does state that Kerouac suffered bodily injury and is requesting both counseling and mental health care as a result of the incident. That would give me some PTSD. This is far from the latest crappy ordeal to go viral as of late. Back in September of 23, a plane was forced to make an emergency landing. Oh, gosh, I saw pictures of this. After a passenger suffered from what was described by the pilot as a biohazard diarrhea that just left a trail down the aisles of the aircraft, and it just caused a massive problem. Hopefully, that one gets figured out. I'm very curious what would cause a toilet to explode like that. Hmm. Anybody have any kind of info? Let me know. When I read this next story to you, I swear when I first read it, I thought it was coming from Florida. Nope. So back on January the 4th, a man was arrested after stripping naked and jumping into the massive aquarium at the Bass Pro Shop store in Leeds, Alabama. George Owens, 42, of Starrett, is charged with public lewdness disorderly conduct, resisting arrest, assault on a police officer, uh, two counts of first-degree criminal mischief, and uh, two counts of reckless endangerment. WEAR News was sent a video that shows George swimming naked in the aquarium inside the store. Police arrived to eventually handcuff him on the floor outside the tank. According to AL.com, police said Owens was first acting pretty erratically, He drove his vehicle into a power pole in the parking lot, then took his clothes off, ran inside, and jumped into the aquarium. Under the sea, under the sea, 
Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. The report goes on to say that Owens eventually climbed over the side of the aquarium, fell to the concrete floor below, and was briefly knocked unconscious. After regaining consciousness, though, the man allegedly kicked an officer in the groin and resisted arrest. Owens was then taken to a hospital for a mental evaluation before being booked into jail where he was being held on no bond. Now, Owens allegedly admitted later to being on drugs during the naked swimming spree. Never would have guessed that, but to continue, he was released from jail the next day after posting bond according to jail records. Really hope this guy gets the help he needs. And y'all, this is the second Bass Pro story we've had in a month. Can we please give the poor unfortunate souls a rest? Please? Thanks. Man, those poor fish. All right, so today we also checked out on a major divorce announcement. We had some NFL changes. Congratulations again to Michigan with their national championship win. We had a sort of sad, weird Minecraft story. The Golden Globes happened with some big winners. A banned Call of Duty streamer. A kick streamer also got kicked. <laughs> Fun way to start this year. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I do want to remind you that I include the links to all of my sources in the comments so you can see what I see and more. Don't forget to drop a comment or send us an email if there is a story you want us to cover. Join us next time as we check out the latest in entertainment news. Remember guys, stay comfy in the starter zone. This is Amanda. Good luck and have fun. Listening to The Starter Zone with Amanda. I am Raven. We thank you for your time and support. Without you, we simply would not be. Please hit that like and subscribe button and visit us on Facebook and Twitter at The Starter Zone. Have we missed something? Have something to say? Leave us a comment or send us audio clips for your chance to be on the show. We invite you to come back for more exciting news and commentary on the world around you. See you next time in The Starter Zone.